Hey there, I'm Jess Jordana, copywriter and brand messaging strategist for online business owners and your host of the Feel Wealthy Show, the podcast that has basically nothing to do with any of that, but also everything to do with it at the same time. See, all of us listening are pursuing some version of more. Maybe it's why you started your business, or maybe it's why you find yourself constantly dreaming, what if? But in this pursuit of more, I've found that we're absolutely starving for examples of those of us who are soaking in, celebrating, or even just noticing the more that we hold right now. I believe you can have it all, and I believe I can too, but real talk, It rarely comes all at once, and quite frankly, magic is easy to miss in the making of it. So on the Feel Wealthy Show, I'm bringing you alongside myself and other successful people as we explore a tangible, concrete meaning of wealth that not only changes our lives, but also changes our days as we practice feeling it now instead of holding out hope for later. Julia, I'm so excited to chat with you today. How are you? So good. So excited to see what you can pull out of me for this conversation. Yes, I feel like this podcast is a perfect fit for you. But for those of our audience who don't know who you are, can you give us the rundown of who you are, how you got to where you are, all of that jazz? Yes, totally. I am a pussy-based business coach. And so what that really means is I really focus on how can I bring pleasure into business and uh, specifically around coaching. Most of my clients are also coaches and people who don't want to do business in a hustly, bustly, kill yourself kind of way. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not the best language, but you know what I mean? Like burn yourself at both ends (laughs) of the candle. And I have a training in sex, love, and relationship coaching, which like I never was going to do. I always knew I wanted to bring in this deeper self-work around pleasure and turning yourself on. So it's like sensual, sexual, and also none of that. And like the Mm -hmm. most basic, just what brings you joy and would make this fun. Mm -hmm. Especially because in business, we all know like, just in life in general, we're always doing hard things. We're always uncomfortable. We're pushing our edges. And for me to make that worth it, I was like, there has to be pleasure and fun. And also then like getting into this world of sexuality and like, oh my God, everyone's like so turned on having fun, like vibrant and alive. And then they get into their businesses and they're like, dry (laughs) up, so miserable. And the only blueprint most of us know is just like put your head down and work and be miserable and follow the rules and that's not my vibe so I Mm -hmm. created a whole other element that just was missing for me and many of my peers and people yeah I love that and I feel like it is like once people get into business it's like this robotic like what do I do to succeed sort of thing instead of like really feeling into the way that they can do it best. And that's something that we align on a lot is that there is not one right way to do it. And I think it's so interesting though, that like you, I mean, the word pleasure is just interesting, right? Because it is like joy. And a lot of people are like, oh, what does bring me joy? But it's an embodied sort of joy. And that is something that I don't think a lot of people have the skill of in terms of like being able to arrive at that point 
at any point. Do you think that's true or have you seen that too? 100%. And I think it's just helpful to say like when, when I'm speaking about pleasure broadly, for me, that just means the activation of any of our five senses, because that literally brings us into our body. And so it's as Mm -hmm. simple as, okay, like, could I have something that smells nice around me? Could I have something that's more visually appealing? Could I take time to just like touch myself? Again, doesn't even have to be centrally or sexually, but just like, can I keep bringing myself into my body in a way that keeps me grounded, continues to resource me? It could just be a breath. All of these things, because we're spending so much time in our heads running a business, like what should I do next? And how do I do this? And what about that? Mm-hmm. And it can be extremely taxing. And also I just find like, it, it, that's not the, it's not like self-generating. And so to me, being able to be in our bodies and create presence, create pleasure, like that yeah. is going to make you want to keep going. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So tell me what was, well, I want to know the question that I always ask everybody is like, when was the first time that you thought like, oh, wow, I'm actually like making money online kind of thing. But I'm curious, like where your pleasure journey started as well with yep. business along with it. So I don't know if you want me to break those up, but have at it. <laughs> I could probably swirl them together, but if we need mm-hmm. to go more specific, let me know. So okay. I was in the coaching space, my kind of like TLDR story is I was in the coaching space for about four and a half years, not really making money. I was definitely stuck in the like, this is how you should do it. Here's how everyone else is doing it. What do I even want to be doing? And not trusting the stuff. Actually, ironically, the stuff that brought me the most pleasure, I didn't think I could get paid for. So I was like on the side doing social media audits and business coaching. And then front facing, I was more like leadership and life and just like a lot of stuff. So I was like, this doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It's like, why am I hiding things that are the most fun and easy for me? Which Mm -hmm. conditioning. And so I had like, I eventually transitioned a lot into visibility and helping people with that side of the business. Things like I was just really known for having authentic content and creating community around it and building relationships I sucked at sales for a very long time. (laughs) And I think there wasn't a lot of drive for me because I kept seeing people who were burning out in the space. Like they just looked like they were working so much. They were miserable. They're like, yeah, sure. We have laptop lifestyle, but we're working every minute of every day and stressed out about launching and selling. It's like, okay, I don't want that. So I didn't really know what else to do yet. I was, I was just very committed. Like there's something here for me. If everyone else is like, quote unquote, figuring it out, like, let me just keep peeling back the layers. And I was with the visibility work. What I was noticing was there was a lot of deeper work around being seen. And a lot of that Mm -hmm. would tie back to sexual trauma, unfortunately, which most women have experienced or at least are present to in a sense that we're like oh the last thing I want to do is have everyone watching me and selling myself and putting myself out there and saying vulnerable things on the internet and that was when I started to be like okay like I wouldn't even know how to hold someone through that layer of the work Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. what do I do had this download one day of like okay I need to bring in the like sexuality business kind of money side of things. And I, again, like didn't know where to start. I just put it out to community and found this sex, love and relationship coach training with Layla Martin. 
very intense program but also mm-hmm. like gave me the tools to have these deeper things of like oh this is why we don't feel safe showing up it's not like oh I don't know what to say and I don't have the strategy it's like oh I don't feel worthy of saying it and I can't think of the things to say it and is this good enough and all that deeper shit that this that work really addressed mm-hmm. and again I went into it knowing I like I wanted to apply it to the business side of things and I had to figure it out and also at the same time really making that commitment to myself of like I'm only going to do business if it feels good. Like I just refuse to be miserable. I refuse to just like follow someone else's advice that doesn't work for me. And I hadn't like quite figured it out. So all of that, like coming together to finally be like, oh, like I'm feeling so, I also feel so good over here doing this deeper work. And then like the business was so crunchy and I was like, I'm just going to go first. Like I'm going to figure out how to do this pleasure business thing. I'm going to share my journey. And so after four and a half years, my goal was just like, I just want 10 K months. Like that to me would be Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, I made it. And very quickly. Well, not very quickly. It still took me a minute to get everything together. But Mm -hmm. once I had a 10 K month from there, we grew so fast. I think that year we did 120 K the next year was 800 K the next year is 1.6 million then 1.4 million, then a million. So it was like, oh, wow. Remember this like 10K month I just like wanted so bad. And then Mm -hmm. I think maybe I had one and then it just kept going. Mm -hmm. So it was like not just wealth, but then like wealth very quickly all of a sudden, which was also wild. Yeah, I have so many questions. My (laughs) first question is how did you hold the vision during those four and a half years. Yes. I love like most book. people would quit, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm insane. Yeah. I obviously thought about quitting so many times, but part of it was, I was just like, this aligns for me. Like I want the freedom to say whatever I want, be whoever I want, work whenever, wherever. And I saw people doing enough of it that I was like, if they're figuring it out, like I am smart. I, I'm used to being successful there. I just kept holding that vision. Like there has to be a way mm-hmm. that I can figure this out. And that's not to say it was easy to hold this vision. Like at a certain point, everyone's like, Julia, what are you doing? <laughs> and of course I'm questioning myself all the time and doing unhelpful things. Like, okay, if I don't make it by this date, I'm out and I'm getting a job. Okay. If I don't, and that pressure was also so unhelpful. And so, mm-hmm. but just being like, there. I've got to be able to figure it out. And again, I have, however people need to do this, I think everyone is capable of figuring it out. It also Mm -hmm. just takes way more time than most of us think. Mm -hmm. And figuring out what you have to do to hold yourself in that journey. So there's not all this pressure and shame. And I think this where the industry can be so unhelpful. Because it's like, if you don't make it right away and overnight, or if you have to go get a bridge job or spend your money or go into debt, literally every pathway is villainized. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, hold on. No, 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 no. And at a certain point, what really helped me then like make that transition to take the pressure off and feel like less shamey and and bad about it was I was like, like I'd spent so much money. I'd spent so many years. I tried so many things. And I just got myself to this place where I was like, if I was on the other side of making money, whether it was a hundred K or a million dollars, would I ever care? Like, would I ever look back and be like, Oh, how embarrassing you spent four and a half years and like, Oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. However much I spent, probably like six figures mm-hmm. investing. 
I'm like, I would never care. I would be so proud of myself. Mm -hmm. I would love what I was doing and I would just never be a second thought. And that to me was such a game changing moment to be like, oh, if I was on the other side of this, like, it it would just be my story. I'd be like, oh yeah, literally what we're doing on this podcast. I would talk about the four and a half years I struggled, how I turned it around. I would never think about it again. So that just took like all that contraction and like shamey stuff out Mm -hmm. of it because that was intense to hold and- for sure. Yeah. I cannot say that I would have been able to do the thing <laughs> by any means, Fair. but I do. I'm also curious what you would attribute the like click or like Lacey calls it like a pop moment to. Yeah. Obviously it's not the moment, but do you think the big thing was really having that self-trust? Do you think the big thing was just deciding like what, what do you think was really it? Yep so much of it was just deciding like I'm I'm gonna do this until it works so like Mm -hmm. there was a moment like drawing a line on the sand and really what it was was I'm gonna decide I'm not gonna question it anymore Mm -hmm. like I used to spend so much time being like well what if I what if it doesn't work and play out that scenario what if I do suck at this play out that scenario what if I never made and I just like Lacey our coach really had to be like okay I need you for like 90 days to stop investigating it like just put Mm -hmm. it down like leave it alone and only spend that time telling yourself the things that you want to be true and then taking the corresponding action so it's if it's like I get paid to be myself on the internet people love to pay me it's easy to sell like go then take those actions and back it up and just give yourself enough time to do that and to me that was all the behind the scenes work that nobody ever saw that yeah. then when things transpired and started to build steam very quickly, it did look like I popped mm-hmm. and it was that like, oh my God, I'm just unwilling to get sucked into my own mindset drama anymore, mm-hmm. which sounds so interesting. Cause it's like, well, isn't that what you're doing mindset for? But it's like, there will always be another block, another limiting belief, another fear. And I think there's certain ways to do that work around it where you're like present to them and aware but there's such a fine line of like not getting addicted to diving into it. And that mm-hmm. for me was such a game changer. Yeah. And I feel like there's such a, I mean, obviously I'm a copywriter, so we have to do market research. We have to like kind of rely on the audience, so to speak. But I also feel like there's this tricky spot where people feel like they have to prove market fit for their product, for their offer, whatever. And what you're saying is just like, that was the most detrimental thing to you because you were trying to prove like, okay, if I do this and this happens, then that means this is what I'm supposed to do. And it's like so much more, you have to decide, okay, I'm willing to make people get it no matter what, not like do people get it, but I will I will, I have what it takes to make them get it kind of thing. That sounds a little pushy, but yeah. (laughs) Well, I see it as like, it's, you have that muscle to show up and see that it's, it is your job to have them see the value. It's not to prove your value and prove anything you're doing, but it's always our job to be like, Hey, here's my approach. And here's my philosophies. And like, let me do this until it catches on. And it really does take time. 
But if we stay consistent with it and do it again and again with that belief of like, they're going to get it. I'm going to show up until they get it. I'm, especially if we're walking our talk and we're like, I know this works. I know this feels better. It, it tends to just be a matter of time, mm-hmm. which we don't love that answer. But. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like we kind of touched on this a little bit, but were there any other kind of like outlier money struggles or like money mindset things? I know you've been talking about this more lately. So anything that you've really had to work on or are working on right now? Well, definitely at the beginning, I had so much stuff around charging. And so like I have an inheritance and a trust fund and that to me Mm -hmm. fucked me up so bad. And it sounds like the most cringe thing to say, but I'm just going to say it because I think it's so helpful to have this perspective, whether you relate to it or not. But for me, the wounding was like, oh, I already have enough. Like, even though I don't want to live off it, but it was like, I don't deserve to have more. I already am a step ahead of other people. And so I did so much mindset work. My like go-to prompts were always like, I trust it's safe to have more than enough money, more than other people and more than I've ever had. And like something in there really rewired things for me where it was like, I get to sell and make money because I want to serve. I want to have money. There's nothing wrong with that. Because at the time, too, in the industry, I think helpful context is all you saw were rags to riches stories. And this is still somewhat present, but I don't think it's like everyone's leading story at this point. But it was, I just felt like I didn't belong. I was not worthy in every money mindset course I was in. Of course, the person teaching it went from rags to riches stories. And every money mindset course that I was in was someone with that same story. Like I had nothing and came from nothing. And Mm-hmm. And I didn't grow up wealthy because I didn't get the money till way later in life, but it definitely fucked me up because I was like, they can't even relate to me. Like they can't even coach me through this. It just felt like such a unique thing that I was struggling with. And there's just so much to it. But it, that messed me up so bad for so long. But the cool part was, was when I shifted that work to be like, I get to make money because I want to make money. Mm-hmm. because by default I want to serve and like do this work I feel like to me that opened up where it didn't just go to 10k months because I wasn't just doing like mindset of like I deserve 10k months and this is my one goal it literally unblocked this huge energetic thing of like oh like my worth and my deserving have nothing to do with this like nobody is inherently worthy or deserving just mm-hmm. like they're not unworthy and undeserving Mm-hmm. And so that just helped me be like, oh, whatever amount of money I want to make, like, it's just because I want to make it. And it's because I want to do good shit with it. And like, I, I get to have that. And we all have different types of privilege. And I just had to like own yeah. that piece of it. And that what that, but that held me back for so long. I had so much shame around it. So I feel like in terms of the what you were saying about like, it is safe to make more than enough money is so interesting because I feel like specifically in the energetic world, there's also this idea of like money flows where there's space kind of thing. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yep. Totally. So again, I think a lot of what I was taught was like, money will go where you almost need it. And like, Mm -hmm. we could trick ourselves to be like, well, I need a hundred thousand dollars for this thing over here, but that's not true. Right. In some ways, in some ways it is. 
But to me, it was so helpful to like take out specifics and just be like, okay, like what is a core fundamental belief? Like it is just safe to have money and it's safe to have more, more than enough and more than other people. And yeah, I don't know. That just really did something for me. Cause I think it can be mm-hmm. hard to, when you have a big vision to hold specifics and a big vision. And people always ask me like, how, okay, like how did I hold I just need to hit a 10 K month, even though I know I want a million dollar business. And -hmm. it was that of like, okay, I mostly just went like launch by launch, what I wanted to price things out, what I wanted to sell, how many people I wanted to serve with this big picture of like, I can just like make as much money Mm -hmm. as I, as I want to, because it doesn't mean anything about me. It doesn't mean anything about anyone else. Mm-hmm. there's no like worthiness stuff in it so t- I don't know like that shift really supported me and I don't think I really saw anyone talk about those beliefs specifically and you know like I think we also see the other thing that I think is unique about my results the more that I'm in the industry and notice is like I ho- can hold on to money and mm-hmm. not in like a hoarder scarcity way by any means I just feel safe with money and you can attribute some of this to like, I think having a trust fund of like there, I've just known there's money and I'm yeah. not supposed to spend it. I don't want to spend it. It just is, it's there. Mm-hmm. So there was like maybe some piece there that like clicked in at some point, but it served me so well because what I see most people do is the more money they make, the more money they spend and they have to get rid of it because they're not, they're doing mindset around specific numbers, but they're never changing that like bigger energetic capacity to hold Mm -hmm. on to money and to relate to it differently so Mm -hmm. that was really interesting too where it was like it just kept building and building and the more that I'm in the industry I'm like oh most people like can barely pay their taxes they're living paycheck to paycheck like literally even at six figure month the money goes away and I think that's such an I mean there's definitely financial literacy of learning how to do all the things. And I think most of it is energetic of like, it just doesn't feel safe to have money. We're a bad person. So this goes back to that belief of like, uh, I'm not a bad person. If I have more money or more money than other people or more than enough money, like it just, it has nothing to do with that. It's just like, I chose to have money because I like playing with money Mm -hmm. in all the ways. And So that like really helped as it just kept building, like to be able to like, okay, it's just like, there gets to be money here. And so that Mm -hmm. was unique too. And that like, that gave me a lot of safety and spaciousness in my business. And I was able to do cool things with my money versus just get rid of it as fast as possible because I didn't want to actually be someone with money. Mm -hmm. Because that is the most villainized thing in our society, quite honestly, is like, I heard someone say it once, do you know, Kasha Urbaniak, she teaches on like, I think I've heard, oh, I'm reading girl that book right now. Yeah, un- yes. Unbound, I think is yes. the book. Yes, But she was like the one person that we're all society allowed to hate, like socially hate and talk shit about is rich people. Mm-hmm. You can't talk about any other like marginalized identity without it being a whole problem. But rich people, we all collectively shit on them. Mm-hmm. And so like, why would we ever want to become that? I know. And it's so... It's such a hard thing because I feel like it's one of the few things when, so when you run an online business, I feel like you can kind of compartmentalize a little bit between like your real life and like your business life or your identity or whatever you want to call it. But I feel like the money thing is the thing that creeps into your real life the most and creates that emotional tension with people in your real life. And that has been such a hard thing for, I mean, I haven't, I didn't come from 
poverty necessarily, but my family didn't have exorbitant amounts of money. And totally. so it definitely Same. has been something that we've had to navigate both with my family and with Presley's family and all of that kind of stuff. So it's so interesting. Would you say that, so, I mean, I feel like abundance and wealth money means different things to everybody. Would you say that it has been more helpful for you to define what it means to you or to almost like take the meaning out of it? I really think take the meaning out of it. Okay. Like to me, it's helpful. And maybe this, I have a very mathy brain. I was a finance major because I always say I would have been a math major, but I wanted friends and <laughs> did not become a math teacher. was not my vision for life. Um, mm-hmm. But I just like love that. And so to me, sometimes it is very helpful to just see it as numbers and math. Mm-hmm. And then the emotional side to me comes into like serving people and building relationships and all of that versus And listen, there are many times where I have emotional attachments to money and start making it mean things. But to me, it's like, it's just helpful to like, be able to take that piece out of it. Be like, okay. Yeah. Or even to notice that that's happening and be able to shift it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I had something recently where I was like telling one of my coaches, I was like, I've, I've like created a thing where the amount in my bank accounts has become a false sense of safety, which we all hate, I feel like this extra is, yeah, like money can provide safety. And ultimately you can feel so much scarcity with every amount of money ever. Mm-hmm. And so the real work is like, how do I just feel safe period? And like, not worry about what that number is. So recently I was like, yeah, but I cannot dip below 200 K. And she's like, why? Like, mm-hmm when did that become like a thing? And I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it just like became a default safety blanket for me. So I was like, oh damn, I need to do some work around this. (laughs) So that, because I was like noticing I was feeling constriction. That's a lot of, again, like my business takes a lot to run and I like a big buffer because again, I I don't do well with pressure, but the fact that I would be like making certain decisions, pretending like I'm dying, and there's no money I was like oh no yeah oh my gosh I identify wealthy (laughs) yes I identify with that so much because when I was about to go on maternity leave I had like a number for me it was forty thousand dollars so that I could go on maternity leave and I knew if I did not make a single thing on maternity leave that I could pay my team I could pay for my stuff all of that kind of stuff and it was more than enough And I didn't make $0 while I was on maternity leave, but I, then in my brain, I was like, oh, I can never have less than $40,000, even though like (laughs) I made that so I could spend it. And that was the reason, but it was such a, an interesting, it was like, people talk about like raising your frequency or raising your thermometer or whatever, but that was almost doing it in a negative way. And so, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we all just like have weird attachments we're going to do with money and it usually sneaks up on us and it usually starts as a really well-intentioned thing right like again not overspending is a great skill until you're hoarding your money it's overspending Mm -hmm. not helpful like being able to rein it back but so like we're just always have to watch those patterns of like okay how do I create I mean I do think feelings of safety and abundance but not attaching it to an amount of money is so helpful for sure. Um, okay. I want to get into your feel wealthy list, but I have to tell you a funny okay. story first. Okay. <laughs> so I 
connected to you through Lacey. The first time that I found you was through your podcast episodes that you guys like did together. Oh yeah. And I was like a newer client of Lacey's. And so I was like, oh, who's this other client, blah, blah. So I think I started following you on Instagram. And I think the first time that I sent you a DM was you were like traveling and you had like a Louis bag or something like that. And then like New Balance shoes. And in my head, I was like, I, that is like the wealth that I want to like pick and choose exactly what I want to spend on. And then I remember I told you your shoes were so cute. And then like the rest is history. We're besties now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. That was so funny. I have so much. I do want to answer like your specific things, but I I just want to name that too. Of another thing around money that helped me so much was to remember like, I'm just going to be the same me, but with more money. So Mm -hmm. like I, even to this day, my friends will make fun of me. They're like, you're so rich. Why do you shop at TJ Maxx? I'm like, bitch, I grew up frugal. Like, this is fun for me. Like we were sale rack shoppers. I love a good deal. Yeah, And you know, like, so all of those pieces, even like high, low, like this isn't the, I'm working on this, but I will shop at Shein and do fast Mm -hmm. fashion things. But I love that I'm going out with like a designer bag, but I have like a $10 piece of clothing on and mixing mm-hmm. high low and all of those things. So I just think that's like a, a good thing to name is like having more money just means we get to be more us and you can still have those things. Cause I think for so long I thought like, well, now I only can operate this way and I have to do everything at that level and mm-hmm. really being able to work on like, well, what are the things that are valuable and important for me and what are the things that are not and just like being able to do that like and it's so interesting to watch other people project that stuff too because they're like I was trying to buy a car last year or two years ago and I was deciding between two things and people were like well why don't you buy both and I was like <laughs> like okay like, like, are you, you you do you but what do I need two cars for and listen maybe yeah. there's gonna come a day where that feels like a fun stretch for me but it's yeah. just so interesting when people are like, well, you have money, so just spend it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, there's certain choices I'm going to make where actually like I'm going to go to Ikea over buying my restoration hardware stuff, or I'm going to shop here and not there. And so I just think that's like such a fun reminder too of wealth is like you get to have mm-hmm. choices. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And there's this, this seems out of left field, but it's not. There's this red Cezanne sweater that I really want. It's like a cardigan and it's like bright red and red is very in right now, but I'm a neutral girl. <laughs> and so <laughs> I decided to buy a red sweater off of like Amazon first to just try it on and okay. to see like how much use am I going to get out of this like $180 sweater or whatever. Yep. And so it really, it's not that I can't afford the sweater or that yeah. I don't have that money in my bank account. It's that I want to be able to purchase with intention. I want to be able to get the use out of it. And I don't want a random bright red sweater just hanging in my closet for no reason. So yeah, same thing, smaller scale, but yeah. So tell us what is number one on your feel wealthy list. I'm curious to hear what's on your mind right now, because I'm sure you have tons of these. Yeah. So one, the, the first thing popping up that I've been like playing with more recently is like, I love spending money on convenience. I consider Mm. myself like a lazy person, but really what that is, like, I just have a finite amount of energy. I'm not a go, go, go person. And so remembering that it's like, 
like in my head, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I'm spending $20 for grocery delivery. But I'm like, this is the best $20. I mean, my time is money, but I have plenty of time at this point in my life. But like, I don't enjoy that for the most part. I don't, so like being able to spend money to have convenience, have things come to me. So today I was looking at a meal. I've had like a private chef and meal delivery stuff in the past. Mm -hmm. Today I was like, oh, like, I think it's time to take anything that can take. I also get decision fatigue so easily and I'm not uh, one of those people can just like make quick decisions. I will labor over them. And so anything that can take decisions off. So I was like, oh, having someone who's just going to decide what I'm eating, the meals are there. Like that feels like such a luxury. And Mm -hmm. it's not that, I mean, it's, probably I think it was like a hundred or 200 or 300 a week depending if I do it for myself and my partner but mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna spend that on DoorDash and we're gonna spend it on <laughs> delivery fees and we're gonna spend it going out to dinner and whatever mm-hmm. else we're gonna do and I was like oh my god like this feels so good to be able to do it and I feel like it can seem like such a luxury to have like a basically a private chef but mm-hmm. so that feels good anything yeah anything I can get delivered to me having a masseuse Mm -hmm. come to my house having services come to me I hate running errands I hate appointments unless it is like a full experience Mm -hmm. I did get a haircut the other day and it was like I don't even I probably paid like 165 bucks or something but it was like an hour and a half two hours she really did a consult it was so luxurious and slow she really listened I was like Oh, like this, mm-hmm. I love, but yeah. yeah. So anything that can like make the adulting human things I have to do feel more convenient, more luxurious and pleasurable. Mm-hmm. I want to spend my money on that for I sure. Love that. I, that is the one thing that makes me want to live in a different area. We live in a very small town and access to, yeah services that actually feel luxury is very rare. Like the one nail salon that we have here that I would feel comfortable going to and them not botching my nails completely is like, they just are mean and like you're like this is not pleasurable I know and it's like not very clean all the things so like having it actually feel like even having a masseuse in your house and like knowing the environment that you're going to be in and things like that is so such an extra added thing for sure yeah and a lot of times it's not that much more it depends on like the service and whatever they have to do but uh, the amount of pleasure it brings me to like you like not have to go sit in a nail salon that smells and not have to like go mm-hmm. find somewhere new. I get like weird social anxiety. I'm like, oh, I have to like go find parking and I have to like make time for the like what if there's traffic and I'm always running late and I'm like it's just so much easier. Like I'll be home and you show up at the time we agreed upon. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I love, love that. that. I think having like good healthy food always does it for me too. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely the overbuyer in our household. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I want a frit. Like Gus could probably go with like his fridge will have like two things in it. And I will be like, I need to make sure there's like options and there is lots of everything. I just don't want to run out. Like that to me feels very abundant and good. Mm-hmm. so like I will spend my money on groceries all day yeah long. yeah I love that and I I don't know if you you're on TikTok now mm-hmm. do you watch yes, a lot of TikTok huh yeah what I does sure your do. feed look like 
Oh my God. Great question. The weird thing about TikTok too, I feel like when you like find, if you ever search something, then they like, it becomes your whole algorithm. Like, no, go away. I don't want that. But I follow a lot of just regular influencers, especially like, I like people that give permission to like be messy and kind of just like show their whole life, even if it's like a little chaotic and Mm -hmm. whatever they're doing. So I love people like that. I follow some food accounts. Yeah. I'll just like watch random shit for entertainment. (laughs) Yeah. That like having healthy food and abundance in that area reminds me of like the fridge restock videos. And I had like a whole obsession with fridge restocks, like fridge clean out videos. Really? (laughs) Well, like the people that I'm just not, I'm not an organized person. So like everyone who's like, you know, like they have all their containers and things go here. And I'm like, uh, I'm just going to shove it in the fridge, but that's cool. Have you ever seen the videos where they go through like those restock videos and say how much it costs? No. There's this accountant on TikTok and she goes through like the bathroom, guest bathroom restocks or whatever, where they have all the like Sephora minis and everything like in there for their guests. And it's like, $1,200 to like restock their bathroom or something it's so funny though because she just like talks trash about it basically but anyway I'm curious what your what is your feel wealthy like luxury thing around travel because I feel like it's different for everyone I was just looking at flights this morning for a trip we're taking Mm -hmm. at this point if I'm doing like a long haul flight I want a lay flat bed like mm-hmm. I just I'm a small person I can fit in every seat and I like to be well rested um, and more specifically I want to adjust to the time zone as quickly as possible like mm. I don't like when my sleep is interrupted and it you know like that I'm sleeping during the day and I'm up at night so that to me is one of those things where I like yes comfort in the moment but also it doesn't disrupt my trip and so I'm like mm-hmm. looking at these flights that are, I think the Delta one seats price-wise were like $11,000, which I would just oh wouldn't. God, there was one month I think in my <laughs> business where I was like, going to do that as a splurge, but this is like us going together. But I do yeah. have like 1.2 million Amex miles that I've been oh, hoarding yeah. and ha- just haven't needed to spend. And so mm-hmm. on points, they were only like 360,000 for the tickets. And I was like, oh, wait, we can do this. This will set us up. And I was like, oh, that's going to feel so good. So anything that just like gives me comfort, allows me to like arrive rested Mm -hmm. at peace is so helpful. Yeah. I feel like that goes back to like the convenience thing too, because it's just like, yeah, just adding less friction. But then I'll get there and like, I'll get in an Uber or like take a, like, I don't have a car service waiting for me right, kind of right. thing. So like, that's one yeah. of them that it just doesn't matter to me more. So mm-hmm. it's like starting to, I love like beautifully appointed places. Like it's important to me that my environment also feel stimulating and pleasurable. And like, you know, they thought of the sensory experience and yeah, it doesn't even like beyond that doesn't matter I just like want it to be nice and feel cozy and mm-hmm. delicious so that yeah. I always look for I was also like looking at villas to rent for a retreat and I'm just like oh, 
I just geek out on that stuff. Remind me, where are you guys going for your retreat or have you decided I think yet? we're going to do Nice in the south of France oh, since we're, wow. so Gus and I are going to Formula One in Monaco is like a big oh. trip he's wanted to do. And so that was a Christmas present thing. So that, so I'm like, okay. And then the retreat is basically the week after. So I could go anywhere in Europe, but I was looking at villas there and I was like, this is so perfect this is the vibe okay wait so are you into formula one no is gus into formula one gus okay yep have you i know like zero have you watched the netflix show i started but it's very intense (laughs) it is i get yeah overstimulated with some of it i think it's gonna be a little intense for me but i it's definitely gonna be on my to-do list if we're going and yeah because the the netflix show is like i cannot watch people just go around and around on a track but if i know all the drama between like the 20 drivers (laughs) that have taken each other's spot and stuff i'm like super into it so we've gotten really into it so that's oh my god really awesome yeah yeah so i need to do that because i don't care about the cars themselves but i'm like ooh, our outfits and then we get to go to all these fun places for sure do everything so yeah just yeah really awesome a vibe yeah Yeah. Okay. Well, tell me now, what is one thing that you're kind of like expanding into when it comes to money, abundance, things like that? So one thing I've been, I've noticed is like, I really built my business on consistent recurring revenue, which I love and served me very, very well. And I feel like I'm in a season where that maybe just building consistent, like in my head, I'm just like, it doesn't feel quite right to just have the same goal. Like I've been journaling, like, I just want hundred K months again. Like I just dipped below it and this is a thing, but I'm like, actually, I think I might want to be in a season where I have some bigger launch months and then like small, like it just Mm, to feel comfortable with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to like learn how to manage my money in a different way. And yeah, so that just came up yesterday and I was like, this would be slightly different of like being like, okay, could I still have my end goal for the year of like energetic minimum, want to make a million, but like without the pressure that I have to be at that every single month. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, that motivated me and felt really good. And it's just like that shifting. So I'm like, oh, I have some fun work to do of like, cool. What if I have a 50 K month now, but then I have 150 K month and like what? Mm-hmm. So just like allowing myself to have range. Cause I'm in a reset business model wise, where I'm pausing all the programs I've run now five years in a row mm-hmm. and I'm ready to create new stuff, but it's still dropping in. And so basically I'm, I'm at a point where I've deleted a lot of stuff to make space without knowing exactly what's coming through, which I usually Mm -hmm. don't advise on it. It's not my vibe, but it just felt like what's called for this season. I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, I really want to just give myself space to be like, what's fun? Like, who cares if we have a couple, like you can still make a million dollars without hitting 83,000 or 100,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And that just feels like a fun new mindset around it that I just didn't have before. Yeah. And I feel like that's not something that a lot of people dive into. Like most people don't have the courage to not just want more, 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 but I do feel like it also aligns with like feminine energy, pleasure, all of that kind of stuff, because it's almost like the macro version of like cycle syncing, like 
your business because it's just natural for you to like have high energy months and to have lower energy months and for your business to follow suit. So getting comfortable with that seems like a good move in my opinion. <laughs> totally. And like, I'm resetting my content, just so many pieces of it. And I was like, I don't want pressure. Like who cares yeah. if it, like I have a, a month or two of figuring this out. Like I want it to feel as fun as possible. The fact that I have space to do this, that I get mm-hmm. to like play in this new way is so special that I'm not mm-hmm. like golden handcuffed to my business and doing it the same way I've always done it. So that piece, I'm just like, okay, cool. And I know exactly how to get to where I want like to get back to where I want to go income wise, I just want to do it in a way that mm-hmm. feels super juicy, which is what I did the first time. But then mm-hmm. it, part of that was like, oh, now I can do this rinse and repeat, which is mm-hmm. fine. We'll go back through that cycle at some point, but we're in the, like, I get to throw spaghetti at the wall in the most fun way. And I want yeah. to take advantage of that. Like for so many years, I just, I, there wasn't space to launch all the programs I wanted to launch and talk on new topics and whatever. And so I'm like, yes okay mm-hmm. and find my flow on tiktok like what what's yes. my yes tiktok julia vibes gonna be so uh-huh. I'm excited. yeah that's so fun very cool i'm excited for you well thank you so much for joining us this was such a fun conversation and i love just kind of bobbing and weaving into different topics with you it was super <laughs> yes, fun so good <laughs> can you tell all the people where they can find you where they can connect with you further if they want to Yes. So my Instagram, my TikTok, Julia Mother Effing Wells. Find me, follow me, and especially DM me and say hi because I like real relationships. Awesome. Thanks so much, Julia. We will chat with you soon, I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in on this episode of the Feel Wealthy Show. If you love it here, then be sure to leave a five-star rating or review for the podcast. When you leave a five-star rating or review, you'll actually be entered to win the Feel Wealthy feature of the month. That's where I snail mail you something from my very own Feel Wealthy list as a thank you for supporting the podcast. I'm also a firm believer that the highest form of flattery is a recommendation, so I would be honored if you'd shout us out on Instagram. Be sure to tag me at Jess Jordana so I can gush in thanks in the DMs. It really means so much. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, I hope you remember that an absolutely essential part of creating real tangible wealth in your life is choosing to feel wealthy now instead of waiting for later. Talk to you soon.